good singing tonight. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, if you would. Colossians chapter 3. One of the things I appreciate about uh, Grant Miller's song leading is, uh, except for nights on request night, we always sing every verse of a song. And, and I think that's important. I really do. Now, I'm saying that when I was a song leader, I hardly ever did that. <laughs> and, uh, and I learned since I came here that, hey, that's really, really uh, important to do. And I realize that sometimes you don't, and I'm not being critical of those who, who don't always do it. But uh, those songs, every verse dovetails into the next. And uh, boy, you, you omit just one verse. That poor, I feel sorry for the third verse of a lot of, a lot of songs in a lot of churches because they don't get sung. And I'm just thankful that, that uh, we sing all of them here. And that's a good thing. Colossians chapter 3, we were there this morning. We were looking at, uh, at the, the importance of living a life that exhibits the fact that we are risen with Jesus Christ. And one of the, one of the, the themes of the book of Colossians is that, is that uh, Christ is to be above all. He is preeminent. Preeminent just simply means above everything and anything else. And uh, uh, we, we looked at this morning uh, ways that, that we, can, we can put Jesus Christ first by putting on the new man and uh, by, by exhibiting that new man in Jesus Christ. In, in the, the, the verses we're going to read tonight, verses 18 down through 21, it shows, shows how that new man is manifested on a day-by-day -day basis in our lives. Let's all stand together, if you would, in honor of the Word of God. Look with me in verses 18 down through 21. Verse 18 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to, to anger, lest they be discouraged. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray your blessings upon the word of God as it goes out tonight. And help us to see uh, just how important it is for us, not just in the workplace and not just out in society and, and so forth, but uh, Lord, uh, in our families, in our homes, to exhibit that new man in Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, uh, I pray that you would work and speak to our hearts tonight. We pray that the Word of God would do, do the work that it is intended to do, that it would have free course tonight. And as you speak to us, may we respond to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. If we've made Christ preeminent, if we have put on the new man, then the first place that that's going to show up and the first place it's going to manifest itself is going to be in the home. Uh, if we're filled with the Spirit of God, if we're filled with the Word of God, and the Word of God is, is dwelling in our hearts the way that it should, it's going to show up in our family life. And, and, if, and if it's not there, it will show up as well in our family life. The, the number one problem in homes... Uh, today in Christian homes is the fact that the Spirit of God and the Word of God are not controlling the family members. 
I can, you know, I, I, could, I could take you to any, any family problem, any family turmoil that might be going on in the home of Christian people and, and just show you over and over and over again uh, how that the, the reason why that turmoil is there and the reason why the, the, uh, the discord is there is because the folks within the home are not letting the Word of God and the Spirit of God control their life. And uh, the, the first institution that God ever formed was the family. Uh, first, first institution he formed on this earth was the home. And the state of the homes determine the state of churches, the state of society, and the state of, uh, of our nation. Now the truth is, is one of the reasons why we are in such a mess in America right now, today, tonight, is because the homes are a mess. The homes are a mess. And when I say the homes are a mess, I'm not just talking lost homes. Unfortunately, there's many a Christian home that really isn't in any better shape than, than the, the homes of unregenerate and lost folks. And, and uh, what, what God does, and we're not, we're not going to read to the end of the chapter tonight. We're just going to stop at verse 21 where we did uh, in our reading. But uh, he, he addresses three groups. He addresses, he addresses uh, uh, wives and husbands. He addresses children and parents, children and fathers in particular. And then thirdly, he, he also addresses servants and masters. We're going to leave off the servants and masters part of it and just really look at the, at the first two, the wives and husbands and the children and the parents. In other words, uh, if, you've, if you've put on Jesus Christ, it will show up first and foremost, in your home. And notice he, he spent all the way down to verse, all the way down to verse 17, telling us the, the importance of what we should do and what we should not do, what we should put off and what we should put on. And then immediately he goes into the home. The reason why that's so, that's so important is that so many times you find that uh, folks that, that uh, try to live for God try to live for God harder outside of the home sometimes than we do inside of the home. And, and it is so important that Jesus Christ is manifested in us first and foremost in the homes. Uh, when we put on that new man, those under authority will be, will be submissive. And those that are in authority will be kind and they'll be just and they'll be loving. Uh, notice, too, the order that, that each group is addressed. You've got, first you've got, you've got uh, wives and husbands, and then you've got, got children, and you've got fathers. Uh, notice that those that are under authority are always addressed first, and those that are the authority are addressed second. There's, there's two possible reasons why this is the case. Number one is to remo remove any excuse for those under authority. Uh, someone under authority may say, and I've heard people say this, well, if the person who is in authority over me would just get their act together, then I would. Well, God says, listen, uh, you have a responsibility, first and foremost, just to, to be in submission. Uh, yeah, you, you need, we need to to uh, exercise our own personal responsibility first. It's not, I'll exercise my responsibility if you exercise yours. 
That's not how God looks at it. He expects us to exercise our responsibility regardless of whether the person over us is, is uh, handling their responsibilities properly or not. And, and this, the second reason why I think that he addresses those that are in submission before he addresses those that are uh, in authority is because there's power in submission. There's power in submission. There, there, there is some power that you have from God by just being submissive. Let's take a look at the first group, verses 18 and 19. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. So first, we'll, we'll take a look at the wives. Um, the very first thing that God tells a wife to do is to be in submission to her husband. Now, understand something. Submission is not slavery, okay? Sub and, 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 and not only that, but it doesn't mean inferiority. It does not mean that, that uh, the role of the wife is inferior to the role of the husband. And I can prove that very, very easily and very clearly. Was not Jesus Christ, when he was on this earth, submissive to his heavenly Father? And of course, the answer to that is yes. But was he equal to his heavenly father? Yes, he is God. Well, that's the way it is in the marriage relationship. God gives a role to the husband and God gives a role to the wife. And he expects us to fulfill our roles individually. And the other thing about submission is, and you see it in this verse, it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband husbands as it is fit in the Lord. So that means that that submission is, is not absolute. It says, as it is fit in the Lord. A, a wife is never uh, required to do something that is against God, even if her husband asks her to do it. Uh, the, the first and foremost authority that any wife has to answer to is God himself. And so understand that it's, it's not necessarily an, an absolute thing that no matter what he asks her to do, even if it's something that's, that's ungodly and that's against the Lord. Now, if it's not ungodly and it's not against what the Lord would have him, have him do, then they are, they're bound by that. What does it mean to submit? Submit just simply means to yield, to resign or surrender to the power, will or authority of another. And, and of all things, why, why in the world did, did God tell a wife that she needs to submit to her authority? Well, first of all, it fits the needs of a man. A man needs to be needed. A man needs to be respected. That's just how God created us. And so he asked the wife to submit to fit that need. The, the second reason why he tells a, a wife to do that is that it's not natural. You know what's natural for women? It's natural love. You don't, you don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to spend a lot of time teaching a, a, a newlywed uh, wife to love her husband. It's an automatic thing with, with ladies. Ladies, it's easy to love, but it's not always easy to submit. And because of that, we need the Holy Spirit of God and His power and His strength. We need the Word of God to guide us and direct us in order to, to be able to fulfill those things that He asks us to do uh, with, a, with a wife. Again, it's not natural to submit. It's, it's, it's somewhat unnatural to do so. 
But God says, listen, with my power and with my strength and with my wisdom and with my ability, uh, you, can get, you can get the job done. And what it does is it shows that, that we need God uh, in order to even fulfill the, the simplest role that he has given to us in our lives. We need, we need to have the Lord in control. How, did, how, how are some ways that a wife can exhibit submission to her husband? Let me give you some ways she can do it. Number one, by depending on him. By uh, letting your husband know that uh, you couldn't make it without him. By letting your husband know that you appreciate and that, uh, that, that you depend upon him on a day-by-day -day basis. Another way a, a wife can exhibit submission is by showing the greatest loyalty to him, uh, not outside leadership. When I, when I first came to this church back many years ago, and the, the people are not here anymore, it's none of you folks, but there were some, there were some ladies that uh, got into the habit with the previous pastor and decided to get into the habit with the, with the current pastor of uh, right after the service, come to the pastor with, with all kinds of uh, uh, things in their lives so that he could make decisions for them and uh, they could go on about their business. Well, my wife and I talked about it real early on when we came here. And I, and I told my wife, I said, look, I'm nobody else's surrogate husband. <laughs> I'm just not. And, and I don't want women in this church to depend upon me for decisions. That's what God gave you a husband for. So let, let him know that, listen, he is the one that you listen to. He is the one you take direction from. He is the one that you have the supreme loyalty to. Another thing we, uh, that a wife can do to exhibit submission is uh, accepting, uh, not resisting his decisions in her heart. Uh, when, when, when a husband makes a decision, uh, accept them. You say, but I don't know that I like that particular decision. Again, if it's not unbiblical, then you are under obligation to follow your husband. You know, uh, there have been times I've made right decisions in our marriage. <laughs> There's been times I made some real terrible decisions in our marriage. And uh, you know what I appreciate? I appreciate the fact that my wife stood behind me in every one of those areas, in every one of those decisions. Uh, when, when, when my wife is submissive in those areas where I know she disagrees, boy, when that thing goes sour, God just smacks me across the side of the head. And uh, there's, you know, that's just a, a, another example of the fact that there is real power in submission. And, uh, and, and, and God uh, expects a wife to accept and not resist a husband's decision. Another thing that a, a wife can do is, is not resisting physical attention. And, uh, you know, for most guys, I, I, I don't, uh, for most women, I hope it's, that's not a problem. But you, you, ought to, you ought to show that you, that you desire your husband and that you care for him. And then give, giving him room to fail. Uh, not going and picking up the football every time he fumbles the thing. Uh, there, there are times when, you know, uh, my wife has asked me, have you done such and such? And I say, well, uh, no, no, I haven't. I haven't done that thing yet. And she won't pick it up and, and do it for me. She'll just, she'll let me go ahead and flop around. I'll never forget 
One time, I just, this was back in Green Bay many, many years ago. I was a youth pastor at the time. And I came home, and I had just gotten some brand new glasses, and we were having an activity that night. We were going to this a big hill just outside of Green Bay, and uh, it was a, a two-brun, and uh, it had a rope toe, and you got down to the bottom, you just you wrapped your, your hands and your feet around the, the uh, rope, and hopefully you stayed on the tube and you went up the rope. Uh, but uh, uh, just before I walked out the door, she said, Sweetie, uh, don't you think you ought to take your old pair of glasses with you instead of your new ones? And of course, knowing much more than my wife knew at the time, I said, no, of course not. I'll be careful. Nothing will happen. Well, what happened was I got up on a, on a tube and I had, I had uh, Pastor Keck's son, Bill, underneath me and a bunch of other folks uh, on the tube were doing a pylon. We got down about three quarters of the way and we hit a bump. And when we hit a bump, we all went up in the air, the tube went this way, Bill and I went this way, and I rode Bill, unfortunately for Bill, I rode Bill most of the way down to the bottom of that hill. Needless to say, uh, I went afterwards, when I get down to the bottom of the hill, and went back halfway up the hill and picked up all the pieces of my brand new glasses. Do you know how much I wanted to walk inside that house that night? I wasn't really crazy about that. But you know what? You know what I, I learned through that thing? You know what? If your wife gives you a suggestion, maybe you ought to listen to her. Now, you know what she didn't do? She didn't badger me. She didn't. In fact, I, I don't think, and of course, my memory's getting real bad, so maybe she did, and I just can't remember it. But I don't think she pulled an I told you so, okay? Uh, she just kind of looked at me and, and kind of smiled, and it was... Uh, it was pretty obvious that I had made a bad decision. Uh, but but uh, a wife needs to be, first and foremost, in submission to her husband. Now, in verse 19, it tells uh, how a, a husband acts when, they, when, they, when he put on Jesus Christ. Uh, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, there's a verse, and it's over in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21 that really suggests that not only is the wife to be in subjection to the husband, but in, in, in our desires and in our everyday lives, we need to submit ourselves one to another. And that's exactly what it says. Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And from that verse, it goes right into the verses in Ephesians chapter 5 that deal with marriage. Uh, husbands ought to have a submissive attitude first and foremost toward God, and then he can have the right leadership abilities and attitudes toward, toward his wife. Uh, husbands, however, are told first and foremost to love their wives. Uh, the type that you, that you see over, again, over in Ephesians, and Ephesians and Colossians are kind of companion books. And uh, you go over to the book of Ephesians, and it, it says that husbands are to love their wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, a husband's love is not, uh, not seen just in words that he says or gifts that he gives, but it's acts of sacrifice. Acts of sacrifice where we give up things in order to be a blessing and a help to our wives. 
Uh, the Bible says that a, a husband is to nourish, nourish a, a, a wife. And to nourish just simply means to support, to take care of, to provide for. And then it says that a husband needs to cherish his wife. Cherish means to, to treat with tenderness and attention, comfort and encourage. Now, why is it that, that God, when he comes to husbands, tells husbands to love, but doesn't tell them to lead? Well, it's the same reason why God tells wives to submit and not to love. Because love for a wife is, is natural. Leading for most men is a natural thing. It's natural for a man to want to desire to lead. But it's not natural, and it's not first and foremost, for a man to love. And so a man needs the help of God, needs the Spirit of God, needs the Word of God to be able to learn how to love his wife. Uh, men tend to, to, need, to lead naturally, but they, we don't have that tendency of loving naturally. And it, it fits the need of the wife. Uh, just like submission fits the, the, the need of the, of, of the, of the husband, uh, love fits the need of a wife. Women are primarily emotional. Men are primarily mental. And you can take that any way that you would like to take that. And probably both ways would fit, okay? But, uh, but we're, they're, they're emotional and we're mental. Uh, and, uh, and because of that, uh, we have different, different kinds of needs. And, and a wife needs to fulfill the needs of her husband, and a husband needs to fulfill the needs of his wife. Uh, it fits the woman. And for, for us to, to love them. And it takes the filling of the Holy Spirit to do it. It's, it's you know, it's, it's not, again, it's not a first and foremost natural thing for a guy. And uh, so he needs the leadership of God to do so. Now, how can, how, what are some practical ways that a husband can exhibit love for a wife? Let me give you some ways tonight. First of all, by being a stable spiritual leader. Uh, you can show that you love your wife just by being right with God, by not being some off-the-wall kind of Christian, but being stable, being mature, and following the Lord, having a desire to seek the Lord, uh, to develop convictions that are based on Scripture, and then lead your home that way. You know, one of the, the, the things that uh, uh, I had to learn in, in, in marriage was uh, convictions for our home. Uh, you know, I, I my, again, my wife was brought up in a Christian home. I was not brought up in a Christian home. She got, she got saved in a young age. I got saved a little bit older as a teenager. And uh, so there were things that I thought were perfectly right that, uh, that I found out later really probably don't fit in a Christian home. And uh, I had to spend some time in my Bible. I had to spend some time in prayer. Uh, I'm not the kind of guy that just, 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 just takes something at face value because somebody says that you ought to do it. In fact, uh, one of the things that, that uh, we did not have down when we were, uh, when we were young in our marriage, and, and that is we didn't have down dress standards. And uh, our dress standards today are far different than what they were uh, back when we first got married. But you know, you know we, what we did together 
Uh, together we study the scriptures. Together we, we look to see what would please the Lord. Uh, but my wife was really looking, looking to me because she didn't have them. Uh, and even though she was raised in a Christian home and I didn't have them, I certainly wasn't raised in a Christian home. And so it was, it was important for me as the, the husband to develop convictions that were based on Scripture. And then just being a spiritual and physical protector. Uh, you show that you love your wife by, by protecting her physically, but also by protecting her spiritually. If you see something that's uh, an influence that's coming into the home that could hurt the home, it's your responsibility as a father and your responsibility eventually as a dad to, to uh, stand and protect your home from those ungodly influences. Another way that we can, a husband can exhibit love is by just simply paying attention to her. Paying attention to her. You say, well, how do you want me to pay attention to her? Take time to talk to her. And oftentimes what that really means is take time to listen to her. Um, the reason why I say this is, is, again, this shows the differences between men and women. Women uh, like to discuss problems. They like to, to uh, express their feelings. Uh, guys, for the most part, uh, don't really enjoy that kind of thing. So you know what we have to do? We have to keep our mouth shut while we listen to our wives tell us what the problem is. Because here's the, here's the truth of the matter. My wife will start telling me a problem, and within two to three minutes, I have the answer. I am super husband, you know, I've, I've got the answer. Uh, I know exactly what we need to do. And I may be absolutely 100% right, but her greatest need right at that moment is not necessarily to get the answer. Her greatest need is for me just to care enough to listen to her. And so spending time to, to talk with your wife and, and uh, let her know that, you know, you enjoy spending time with her. Uh, Another way we can pay attention to her is meet her needs. Uh, when you see that she has physical needs, when you see that she has spiritual needs, when you see that she has emotional needs, uh, develop ways to fulfill those needs, whatever they might be. Notice things that she does. You know, when she, when she uh, gets her hair cut, when she, uh, when she gets a new dress, when she does something new to the house, uh, make mention of it and, and notice those things. And protect her in areas of weakness. You know, we all have weaknesses. We all have limitations. And one of the jobs of a husband is to, to be a protector in those areas. And then, you know, just good manners. Good manners. I still enjoy opening a door for my wife. Uh, I, I enjoy uh, sitting at, at, at the table, eating a good meal, and then look at my, and, and my wife at the end of the meal and saying, thank you for the meal, and mean it, not just saying it. You know, we taught our kids to do that, and sometimes it was, thank you for the meal, can I just please be excused? And they really don't mean it at all. But uh, honestly, just showing appreciation for the things that she does shows that you love her. Another way that we can, we can uh, show our wives that we love them is by telling her that you love her, uh, complimenting her on, on things that she does, and then just, again, uh, just flat showing appreciation for, for, for the fact that she is your wife and that you appreciate her. 
Another thing that we can do to show our love for our wives is to speak well of our wives to others. Can I tell you something I never, and I, I don't think I've ever heard one of our men ever refer to his wife in this manner, and I hope I never do, and I will warn you, if I ever do hear you refer to your wife this way, I will rebuke you soundly. I won't care whether it's public or private. Don't ever call your wife the old lady. Don't ever, call, or any other derogatory uh, name like that to other people. Uh, I, I have heard husbands do that, and it absolutely irritates me because it shows that they really don't love their wives the way that they, they need to. Never criticize or belittle her when talking to others. Lift her up. Praise her in, in, in her presence, but also praise her in her absence. Let other folks know that you appreciate the wife that God has given to you. And uh, as, a, as, a, as a husband, we, we have a, a responsibility to just simply let our wives know that we love them. Now, along with this, in this verse, verse 19, there's a warning. And it's not very long. It's kind of short. It's kind of like God just kind of threw it in there. But it's an important warning. It says, it says, husbands love your wives, verse 19, and be not bitter against them. Why is that? Because bitterness can poison a relationship. Bitterness will poison a home. And evidently, as husbands, we are susceptible to bitterness. Do you, do you notice that it never says, wives, don't be bitter against your husbands? They must be more insulated against that stuff than we are. And when, when, we, when we become bitter at all against our wives, then we lose the capacity and the capability to love our wives the way we're supposed to. So God says, be not bitter against them. Over in Hebrews chapter 12 and, and verse 15, it talks about the fact that lest any root of bitterness spring up, uh, spring up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Uh, not only will bitterness hurt the relationship, but, uh, but bitterness will hurt the home, it will hurt the children, and it will hurt uh, others that come in contact with you. Uh, when you become bitter, you cannot give of yourself as God tells us to give of ourselves. And, and again, the example is Jesus Christ. God tells, uh, God tells husbands that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Well, what did he do? He gave himself for it. Uh, you're not going to give yourself to somebody you're bitter against. So be not bitter against them. Now, what, what I've noticed is this over the years. I've noticed that wives seldom have a difficulty submitting to a loving husband. If a husband is being the kind of husband that he ought to be, and is being loving and kind, then it makes it a whole lot easier for the wives to be in submission. Why? Because love feeds submission. Love feeds a submissive spirit. Husbands have an easier time loving a submissive wife. And again, because submission feeds love. So wives have the responsibility of being submissive to their husbands, and husbands have the responsibility of loving their wives. And again, just remember this. Ladies, you can't be submissive without the guidance and the direction and the power 
of God and the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit's power in your life, you can't be submissive the way that God wants you to be. Uh, over in, again, over in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 says, says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking in, to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And it says, Be not drunk with wine or in success, but be filled with the Spirit. And then just a couple of verses down after that, he immediately goes into talking about the family. He talks about wives and husbands, and then fathers and children, or children and fathers. And, uh, and why is that? Well, because you can't be the kind of husband you're supposed to be without the Spirit of God. You can't be the kind of wife you're supposed to be without the Spirit of God. And that's why it's so important for us to put on Christ. Now, now look with me in verse, in verse 20, if you would. Verse, verse 20. Verse 20 says, Children... Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So he talks to the children first, the ones that are under submission, and then he talks to the fathers who are in authority. Um, when, when he says all things, when he tells children to be obedient in all things, again, it's obvious he's not talking about doing sinful acts because the Father tells you to. But it's talking about just simply when, you're, you're, when you're, you're, your authorities, when your fathers, when your mothers ex explain that you need to do something, you need to be obedient. We, we hear much today uh, about the importance of children. And children are important. But can I tell you what God's order is in the family? His order is Jesus Christ first then the, the husband ought to make the wife number, number two. The wife needs to make the husband number two. And then the, the wife and husband together make the children number three. At any time I have seen those, those orders flipped, and I've seen the children become more important than the husband or the wife, that, that home is heading for destruction. And not only is it, is it going to, to hurt the relationship between the husband and the wife, but it's going to hurt the kids. You know, one of the greatest gifts that a, a father can give to his children is to love his mother. Their, or not his mother, but their mother. Uh, one of the greatest uh, gifts that a mother can give to, a, to, a, a, to their children is to submit to dad and to show her love toward toward the Father. Uh, those things are, are absolutely imperative. Uh, children learn obedience to authority in the home. And they also learn disobedience to authority in the home. A lack of obedience in the home will have a, have a trickle-down effect. It'll affect, it'll affect uh, churches, it'll affect schools, it'll affect jobs, it affects uh, the police department, and that's, that's why we're seeing, really, we're seeing a total collapse right now in many areas, in many big cities, of, of, of society. Can I tell you why you see that collapse in society? Because the family has already collapsed. And they have, the, the children, children who, who back in the 60s were not made to be obedient to their parents now are causing problems today in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and so on. Uh, they're, they're causing problems with society today. 
And it's because the children in the homes did not learn obedience. The, the, one of the greatest lessons that a child can learn is to be obedient. And the reason why that is, look down in verse, verse 20 again. It says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Uh, it, when, a, when a child obeys his or her parents, the Bible says that God is pleased. And over in Ephesians 6, 1, it says that children are to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's the right thing. It's the pleasing thing for children to obey parents. And it's, it's wrong and displeasing to God when they don't. Uh, when, when children disobey parents, uh, then it's, it's wrong and displeasing. When parents fail to make their children obey, it's, it's displeasing to God. Uh, when, when parents, and I've watched this, and you've seen it too, I'm sure, I've watched parents obey their children. Uh, one of the things that just absolutely is fr frosting my cookies in my, my latter years is watching children, and they're not, when I say children, I'm talking about older children now that have, have gone out of the home and, and have decided to go a different way than what they were trained to go when, when they were in their parents' home. And I'm watching the children having more of an effect on the parents than the parents on the kids. There's something wrong with that. Uh, parents are to be an example. And we're to be an example to our children. We're supposed to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be, be careful of that because was what, I, what I see, and, and I think it happens, it starts early on. When I, when I see a, a parent tell a child that, that they need to come here, and then they have to say that five times, there's something wrong in the home if you have to repeat it more than once. There's something wrong. And obviously, there's something wrong with the child because the child should obey. And those of you that are, that are uh, still living in your homes and, and uh, you are, ch you are uh, children in your homes, you need to understand the most, one of the most important jobs or responsibilities you have uh, in, in your life right now is to be obedient to your parents. I found this, that the children that are obedient to parents have a better chance of being adults who are obedient to the Lord in later years. And when the, the children are, are disobedient on, on a continual basis uh, as, as, as young children, uh, they, they have a tendency when they're, when they're older to carry on that disobedience. Uh, the, the measure of a child's obedience is, the Bible says, all things. Not just the things that the child likes, but also the things that the child dislikes. The motive of a child's obedience is that it's pleasing to the Lord. And we ought to be teaching our children at a real early age to learn to please God. One of the things that, that I learned years ago, and I, I, I learned it when, when, when uh, First Bible Baptist Church in, in our early years in Green Bay started a Christian school. And I was told something by Christian educators. I was told that when you 
uh, bring children in to a Christian school, what you do is you open the windows and the doors of your homes like they've never been opened before. I wasn't exactly sure what they meant by that until, until we, we had a Christian school. And I remember one of the, th one of the, the times I was asked, there was a, uh, um, a learning to read teacher who had, to, had some kind of a doctor's appointment. And so she asked, she asked me, she said, she said, would you mind watching my class in the afternoon for about an hour, an hour and a half? So I did. I went down and I had devotions with the kids and prayer with the kids. And we did some other things, too. And they also did some of their schoolwork. But during that time, we had a we had a time of, of a prayer request. And uh, we were sitting at a little table and and. Uh, uh, I asked him, I said, well, what would you like us, what would you, do you have some things you'd like to see us pray for? And different kids uh, raise their hands, say, pray for this, pray for that, pray for my aunt, she's sick, and so forth. One little boy who's, whose parents were members of our church raised his hand. And I said, yes, sir, what would you like us to pray about? He said, pray for my mommy and daddy that they would quit smoking. I had no idea that his mommy and daddy were smokers. I didn't know. I didn't have a clue. They hit it very, very, very well. Well, guess what just happened? The, the doors in the windows of that home got thrust open, got thrust open. Uh, our children are, are, win, are the windows of our homes. And, and parents who can't discipline themselves can't discipline their children either. And parents who aren't submissive to authority uh, will not be able to raise children that are submissive to authority. Now, the, the, the last one that, he, that God addresses here in this passage is the fathers. In verse 21, it says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Talks to fathers in particular because fathers are responsible for the home. And they're responsible for the proper upbringing of the children to provoke it says that we should not provoke our children to wrath. That means, provoke means to call into action, to arouse, to excite. Um, we're supposed to provoke people to love and good works, but we're not supposed to uh, provoke them into to anger or to discourage them. What are, what are some things that as fathers that we do that, that can anger and discourage and provoke our children? Let me give you some, some possible things that we can do to, to really discourage and anger our kids. First of all, inconsistency. Uh, th and that's just simply requiring something of your children that you're not willing to do yourself. It's so very important for us as dads to be consistent in our lives. And, and if anybody can see inconsistency, and if anybody can see a fake or a fraud, it's a child in the home. They can see it. Another, another way we can discourage kids is by overprotection. We, we don't trust them. And obviously you don't, you, you don't trust a child when they're four years old, but there ought to be more trust when they're 10 than you had when they were four. There ought to be more trust when they're 16 than there was when they were 10 and so forth. As the child continues to grow, we need to, to uh, teach them how to live in this world. And, 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 and not be of the world, but they're in the world. And it's our responsibility as, as fathers to teach them that. 
Another way that we can discourage kids is by, by favoritism. Comparison is a bad, bad thing to do. I wish you were more like, and then you name one of the other brothers or sisters. That, that just does not encourage a kid. Uh, another thing that, that causes discouragement and can cause anger in a child is, is uh, when we only acknowledge failure and we don't acknowledge uh, accomplishment. We say very little about things that they've done right, but all we do is talk about, seem, seems like sometimes, the things that they do wrong. And we never let them forget it. And when you do that, you discourage a child. An another thing is uh, attending to a child's perceived needs instead of their actual needs. I, I, I've heard parents after their kids have grown up and and uh, get to be either high school age or college age. They get frustrated with their kids and they say, well, listen, I gave you everything you wanted. And they're angry at their kids because they gave them everything they thought they wanted and now they're turning their backs on them. Well, the truth of the matter is, is as parents, it's not our responsibility to give our kids all that they want. It's our responsibility to give them all they need. And it's our responsibility, particularly as fathers, to perceive what those needs are and minister to them. Um, an, another way that we can discourage our kids is, is lack, of, lack of standards. Lack of standards. Uh, rules and regulations are security for children. Um, I, you know, I, I, again, I was not raised in a, in a saved home. And I, I look backwards and uh, I, I really wish uh, my dad had been a little bit more stringent and a little bit more of a disciplinarian than he was. And I'm thankful for the dad I had. I'm thankful for the two moms that I had. Uh, but but uh, there, I, I look backwards at that thing and, and uh, think, man, uh, I, I could be so much further along if they had just done, if they'd just been more of a disciplinarian. And uh, uh, again, it's not just being a disciplinarian, it's also loving them too. But one of the ways that we often fail our kids is by not giving them fences and not giving them standards, so to speak, that, uh, that they can, that they can uh, be rest restricted so that they can be kept from the things that will hurt them and endanger them. Another, another way we can discourage our kids is over-discipline. And along with that, calling them names. You know, I, I, I have, uh, I've been in the presence of Parents that have been upset with their children and they begin to degrade them by name calling. Man, there's nothing that will make me more uncomfortable than watching that kind of stuff. Because that can destroy a kid from the inside. It can hurt them and it can hurt them deeply. Uh, don't do that. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's important that, uh, that, we don't, that we don't discipline them in, in a wrong way and spend more time on disciplining than we do on training for what we want them to do. And then the last thing, and of course this is gonna, this is gonna hurt not only our relationships with our kids, but it's gonna also hurt uh, your relationship with, with anyone. It's just a, a critical spirit. Be careful of, of teasing. Be careful of, of constantly uh, tearing somebody down, even in a joking way, because it, it can hurt them. Discourage children. Are, are kids that are easy targets for the devil. They're easy targets for the world. If a child doesn't feel accepted at home, they will go elsewhere to get that acceptance. 
And every time I've watched that, where they go is never a good place. Make sure that your kids know that you love them, that you care for them, and, and that, that uh, you want the very, very best for them. It's important, you know, and, and I've, I, I've learned this over the years, and I'm thankful for the fact that, that God taught it to me, that uh, it's not only important to, to be a disciplinarian and to do things that are right and to, to uh, train up a child in the way he should go, go, but it's so important to have communication with your kids. If you lose the privilege of communication, that's when you lose your kids. And, and I, again, I've watched it. I've watched it over and over and over again. And the only way you're going to get that kind of communication is by spending time with them. And when a child is discouraged, they'll pull away. And they'll pull away first, not outwardly, but they'll pull away in their heart. Now, these are four relationships. The relationship of a, of a wife to a husband, of a husband to a wife, of children to parents, and parents to children. They're important relationships. They're pivotal relationships, but they can't be done without the filling of the Holy Spirit. They can't be done without, and, and accomplished without us putting on Jesus Christ. And it makes us realize that uh, if, if you're going to have the right kind of home, you're absolutely, totally dependent upon God in order to get it. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray your blessings upon the things that we've heard tonight. And uh, Lord, uh, it's so important for us to constantly be reminded of how important the family is in society. And uh, Lord, with, without you, we can't have the kind of families that will honor you. We can't have the kind of families that will, will produce children that will grow up and love you and serve you. Uh, Lord, we need your help as parents every single day. We can't have a marriage uh, without you. A husband cannot love his wife with, without your strength and your power and your wisdom. A wife can't be in submission to her husband. Without, without that same filling of the Spirit of God and direction by the Word of God. We pray, Lord, that you'd, you would speak to our hearts tonight. If there's anything that you're dealing with us about, God, I pray that tonight would be the night that we'd take care of it. God, just uh, work in this invitation. Have your will and way. And be careful to thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.